Welcome to the Yoga Church Sunday Sermons. If you're curious about creating or deepening your spiritual practices, please visit summercushman.com, where you can sign up for private sessions, online courses, retreats, and much more. The Yoga Church is here to support your efforts to connect with divine mystery and practice loving better. If these sermons bring you joy and value, please consider making a contribution. They're a totally free and ad-free offering, but that doesn't mean they're without cost. Your support will help me keep them going. Thank you. And with that, let's dive in. I'd like to start with a question. What do you believe is possible? In the Yoga Sutras, we're given a list of profound statements that describe what's possible when we are established in our true humanity. The list begins like this. Ahimsa pratishtayam tatsanidhau vairatyagaha. The sutra tells us that in the company of someone established in nonviolence, animosity vanishes. In the company of someone established in nonviolence, animosity vanishes. Please notice the structure of the sutra. It doesn't say, you must not be violent. This sutra isn't pronouncing a rule that we must follow. It's describing the fruit of inner transformation. Ahimsa, which is most often translated as nonviolence, is so much more than the suppression of violence. Ahimsa is an inner attitude of reverence for all beings that simply doesn't allow space for violence to arise. This sutra is describing an amazing possibility. It describes a potential that's inherent within each one of us. And while I believe in this potential, I can also admit that most of us haven't reached it yet. Which leaves me asking, why? What's stopping us from establishing ourselves in nonviolence? Let me read you something from the Himalayan master Pandit Rajmani. He said, the problem we face is that at this stage in our evolution, our mind and core being are enveloped in numberless layers of limitations, such as doubt, fear, and most important, the subtle impressions of our past experiences. In other words, we are filled up with past experiences and impulses and habits and thoughts and feelings that keep our core being hidden from view, that keep the stillness of our mind utterly overshadowed. We are limited by our conditioning. Pandit Rajmani continues by saying that these limitations are outgrowths of avidya, our long-cherished conditioning of self-forgetfulness. In yogic terminology, avidya and its immediate manifestations, which are distorted sense of self-identity, attachment, aversion, and fear, are known as kleshas or afflictions. These afflictions churn our deepest mental tendencies, which in turn influence the course of our actions. 
we forget our core being and so we create a false sense of self and from this false sense of self this ego deeply ingrained habits of attachment and aversion are formed we decide what we like and what we don't like we become addicted to what feels comfortable and we work really hard to avoid any form of discomfort or pain and the more invested we become in our egoistic understanding of ourselves, the more fearful and protective we become, which has a huge impact on how we act in the world. When our actions are based in ignorance, ego, attachment, aversion, fear, greed, or anger, it becomes utterly impossible to establish ourselves in ahimsa, in nonviolence. In his commentary on these sutras, Ravi Ravindra says that egoistic intent and motivation, however placid, peaceful, and non-harming the external behavior may be, always carry seeds of violence in their very core. He expands on this point and links ahimsa, which he translates as non-violation, with love. He says, as long as the ego is in charge, which is to say, as long as there is selfishness, all our actions are without love. If we act without love, there is a violation of the spirit. Whew, this teaching is kind of a big deal. So let's take a moment and let it settle in the body. Notice your breath. Listen to the voice of your body and search out any tension that's building up. Feel free to wiggle or stretch. If you can, find a sense of ease in the body and open up your heart to listen to these teachings, these teachings of the kleshas or the afflictions again. We forget our core being and so we create a false sense of self. And from this false sense of self, this ego, deeply ingrained habits of attachment and aversion are formed. We decide what we like and what we don't like. We become addicted to what feels comfortable and we work really hard to avoid any form of discomfort or pain. And the more invested we become in our egoistic understanding of ourselves, the more fearful and protective we become, which has a huge impact on how we act in the world. When our actions are based in ignorance, ego, attachment, aversion, fear, greed, or anger, it becomes utterly impossible to establish ourselves in ahimsa. As we study ahimsa at a deep level, we're called to deepen our understanding of love, which is one of those words that we throw around with abandon, right? That we use in both casual and profound ways and that we all agree is important, but somehow don't ever fully define. In her book, All About Love, 
Bell Hooks shares that she spent years searching for a meaningful definition of love and finally found one in psychiatrist M. Scott Peck's book, The Road Less Traveled. Peck defined love as the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. The will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. He explained further by saying that love is as love does. Love is an act of will, namely both an intention and an action. Will also implies choice. We don't have to love, we choose to love. Relying on this definition, Hooks makes the claim that love and abuse cannot coexist. She says that thinking of love as an action rather than a feeling is one way in which anyone using the word in this manner automatically assumes accountability and responsibility. I'm struck by the similarity between Hooks' assertion that love and abuse cannot coexist and Ravindra's statement that as long as the ego is in charge, all our actions are without love. These ideas have profound implications for every aspect of our life and call us to deep self-examination. The eight-limbed path of yoga practice begins with ahimsa. As yogis, we're called to search out the seeds that lie within our thoughts, speech, and behavior. If our actions are rooted in ignorance, ego, attachment, aversion, and fear, we are unable to fully love. And just in case you're tempted to move towards self-judgment or overwhelm right now, let's remember that yoga is a practice of uncovering. We're not trying to force ourselves into some idea of goodness. We're working to surface the conditioning that has separated us from the reality of who we are so that we can root our identity in the core of our being. I'm going to say that one more time. We're working to surface the conditioning that has separated us from the reality of who we are so that we can root our identity in the core of our being. Remember, ahimsa is a potential that's inherent within each one of us. Ravi Ravindra tells us that ahimsa is not accomplished once forever. We need to continually search for its dynamic source. Only at the highest level of being can someone naturally manifest ahimsa. Below that, we can only approach it. So here's my prayer. Let us stand on the earth and feel support beneath our feet. Let us reach our hands toward the sky and feel into the spaciousness of possibility. Let us take refuge in the cave of the heart and find courage to search out the seeds of our thoughts, speech, and behavior. When we find ego, attachment, aversion, and fear, may we commit 
to approaching ahimsa by cultivating something different. May we actively replace over and over and over again thoughts based in greed, delusion, and anger with the remembrance that love is only possible in the measure that we are able to move from selfishness to reverence. May we continue to unravel the conditioning that keeps us trapped in cycles of violence and work to dispel the myth of separation. May it be so. This isn't the end. You'll find reflection questions and many more resources to help you dive deeper into these teachings at summercushman.com. While you're there, please consider making a contribution. These sermons are free, but they're not without cost. Your support will help me keep them going. Thank you.